right, good morning. Wasn't that a great worship set? That's, oh. Um, it's really a blessing to be led in worship by my kids. It surprises people that when, when we sing as a family, we only have average musical talent. It's when they let me sing. That's a math joke. I don't know, Brian, was it mean? See, that's... Anne, mean, yeah. Um, this is going to be different this morning, so just relax. It'll be okay. Um, before we dive into the message, I want to um, just kind of marvel at the fact that we can translate our message in real time in over 60 languages. And so if you would rather listen in or read along in a different language, you can just go to efree.org translate and choose the language that you prefer and you can listen along with that, which is amazing to me. Now, I can't promise that I'll be any clearer in any other language. And I'm pretty sure that when I get to using acronyms later in the message, that they won't translate into Mandarin well at all. In fact, and I really did wonder about this as I was putting this talk together, I wondered, can you even use acronyms in Chinese? Because they don't have an alphabet. So if somebody, it's an honest question, if somebody knows, tell me after the fact. Okay, come up and, come up and inform me. Um, it's the last Sunday of 2019. And so what do we do on around New Year's, we look back at what we've had in the, in the past year, and we look forward to what's coming, and then we set some goals, and we set some, um, some objectives or some plans for the new year, and we're going to do all of that this morning. And so I want to start by looking backward um, at the seven sermon series that we've had this year at First Free. So, show of hands, how many of you would say, you know what, First Free has been my home church all year, and I, I've been here most of the Sundays. Most of the Sundays, where am I most of the Sunday? Okay, cool. That's concerning. I mean, you, how many of you started coming to First Free this year? Cool. I'm so glad you're here. Um, yeah, that's right. You guys get a pass on this quiz. So you guys can play the quiz from right there in your seat, and all you have to do is when I, when I tee up a series, then you have to raise your hand if you remember what that series was. And we're, just to make it easy on you, I'm going to go backward from the most recent series to the one that we started the year with, okay? Are you ready to play? Is that clear? I am not going to call on you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I won't even embarrass Mary Johnson. I am just <laughs> going to play it straight. Okay? Good. Um, so, raise your hand if you remember what the series was that we did during Advent just over the last four or five weeks. Raise your hand. Okay. Somebody shout it out. What was it? The Thrill of Hope. Very good. You guys get the game very well. Okay. Before The Thrill of Hope, what series did we do? Raise your hand if you remember the series that came before The Thrill of Hope. Oh, this is going to be a bad game. <laughs> Somebody shout it out. Help the rest of us. The, the, the art of being an ordinary. 
And it was, it was a series where we talked about the first few verses in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that are called the Beatitudes. Okay, so I know it's Christmas time and New Year's and you guys have been eating too much. You got to dust off the memories a little bit. It's okay. Before the art of being an ordinary, we did a series. Who remembers what that one is? Just raise your hand if you remember. So we got a couple people that... Why do you guys come to church? I don't even... <laughs> Somebody shout it out. What came before the art of being unordinary? Hello, my name is. That's right. And then before hello, my name is, what did we do? The almighty dollar. Excellent. I had planned on reminding you that you only have two days to give left in the year, but Andrew did a great job of that, so I'm not going to do that. This one's tough. What came before the almighty dollar? Anybody remember? My story, where we went through, yeah, that's awesome. We went through eight different stories, and we looked at how the way that biblical characters experience their walk with God often parallels how we experience our walk with God. All right, this is the one that everybody should get because it was our longest series. What came before my story? Mark was two years ago, but thank you for playing. <laughs> I don't know who that was that said that, so I'm not breaking my promise to not embarrass them. The people around you are the ones that are embarrassing you right now. Um, um, actually, um, yeah, How to Neighbor was two years ago, too. Um, <laughs> But you know what? It's funny what sticks and what doesn't. Um, we had, in this series, we had, um, I preached, John preached, Don preached, Adam preached, and then we had Bill Jones preach, we had Mike Andrews preach, and it was all about the book of Nehemiah, and we called it Lead the Way. Right. Now, I played this game with the staff, with a few of the technical staff earlier in the week, and they got this far flawlessly. It was really impressive. Raise your hand if you remember the series that we started the year with. Okay, we got one. We got, are there any hands? Is this, is this the slow section here? Or, okay, we got, we got a couple of people. Shout it out, what was it? And rejoicing. And it was a study of the book of Philippians. Hey, this is the point where I just want to encourage you. One of the New Year's resolutions that you can make is to maybe take some notes during the sermon. <laughs> we have heard a lot of good teaching this year. And James 1.22 reminds us that it's not enough to be hearers of the word, but we have to be doers as well. In fact, the verse says, don't just listen to God's word you must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. And we don't want to just listen, we want to be doers of God's word. And that's why this morning, we are going to focus on being and becoming agents of hope. I had to look over and see if my son, Andrew, who's a huge Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, appreciated that. Is that all right? Um, 
In the, in the Thrill of Hope series, we talked for several weeks about the hope that we have in Christ. It's a hope that we have because God became man as a real baby born in a real place at a real time. It's a hope that we have because Christ taught us about God, about himself. It's a hope that we have because he died and paid the price for us sins that we couldn't pay. And it's a hope that we have that he rose again. And he promised to go and prepare a place and take us unto himself. And, and we talk about that hope a lot. And if, if you're here and you don't know that hope, um, I just pray that, that you would keep seeking. Because really the hope of Christ is the only hope for the world. And if you've been listening for a while and you haven't taken that step into following Christ and living in his hope, then I pray that today would be the day that you might do that. And for the rest of us who have taken that step and committed ourselves to live in the hope of Christ, we are called to be doers of the word. We are called to be agents of hope. Okay, that's the last time, I promise. But, but I do want to take, thank Stuart Slates for building that mini bumper video because it's really cool and I had to use it twice. Um, let's look at what it means to be an agent. I'm serious about this. The main idea of this morning is we are called to be agents of hope. Don't play the bumper. Um, but show me, the, show me the slide that has agent definition. The definition of agent can mean one of two things. Either a person who acts on behalf of another person, they're your agent, like a real estate agent, or a person that takes an active role and produces a specified effect. They're an agent. They have agency, okay? Um, as Christians, we are agents in both senses of the word. First, we act on behalf of another person. In Acts 1.8, the resurrected Jesus tells the first disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are agents because we act on God's behalf. And Adam pointed out as he read a, a draft of this message that the Greek word used as power in that verse is actually the Greek word dynamis. It's where we get the, the English word dynamite. And it's really cool because it means that we are not wimpy agents. We are agents that exercise the power of God, something that Luke Skywalker or any of the Avengers don't have. And as a bonus, ours is real. We also fit the definition of agent in the second sense. We take an active role and produce a specified effect. We're not called to just be hearers, but to take an active role and be doers. We are agents. More specifically, we are agents of hope. Specifically, that thrilling hope that Christ makes possible. Now, this is incredibly important as we begin a new year. We must see ourselves as agents of hope. This morning, we're going to look at four areas where we can take an active role to produce a specific effect. 
as we talk about them, I want you to remember them. And remember, I just saw how well you did at the memory game. And so I've structured the talk on the four points into an acronym that spells out hope. So I want you to be able to remember it at least till lunch when you can talk about it and maybe think about it throughout the week. And who knows, next year, the last Sunday of the year, I might ask you if you remember. So, yeah. here we go. The first area where we can be agents of hope is in our own hearts. Um, the website mentalhealth.org.uk, which I'm an avid reader of, estimates that one in six adults experience sadness or loneliness, or hopelessness every week. And it won't surprise you to know that in our culture, anxiety and loneliness and depression continue to rise in incidence. Now, I want to be careful right here because I don't want to diminish serious mental illness and people that struggle with serious mental illness. But I do think that a lot of the discouragement and the hopelessness that we face is because we miss the opportunity to take an active role and bring God's hope into our own hearts. And so I want to share with you, um, I want to share with you a way to do that. In Philippians 4.8, Paul says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That's a great instruction. If you um, show me, you got you got the bulletins. I have a I have a, a late Christmas gift for you, and it is the tear off here. So if you pull that tear off apart. This is an approach that Christians have been using for almost five centuries. It's called the examine, and it's intended to be a daily practice of just reflecting and thinking about the hope that we have in Christ. And so I've made this for you so that you can take it and put it someplace, and for the next week, just try to daily take a few minutes and walk through these five steps. Let's look at them real quickly here. Um, the first step is to be still, to focus on the fact that God is present. The psalmist says in Psalm 139, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. I don't know about you, but I know that I often go through my day without paying attention to that truth. So the examine begins by just focusing on being still and thinking about the fact that God is present with us every moment. Second, give thanks. Be thankful for every gift and every difficulty. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And if we think it's only good circumstances, James clarifies that and says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And so, as we give thanks, review the last 24 hours as, as detailed a way as you can and be thankful for everything that God has brought into your life. Third, reflect. 
Reflect on your emotions and your actions from the past day. Where did your thoughts and feelings and words and actions display Christ? Where did they fall short? And then pray. But don't just pray. Pray with confidence and boldness because we know that God hears and answers our prayers. And end by hoping. Look toward the next 24 hours. Think about the things that you've got coming and look toward them with the hope that we have in Jesus. Over the past few weeks, I've been practicing this as a daily discipline, and here's what I've noticed. During the day, during the weeks that I was practicing it, I was more aware of God's presence. During the day, I was more, more thankful for the blessings that I was receiving. And during that day, I was more aware and able to put into context the challenges that I was facing as gifts from God, intended to develop me to be more like him. And so my encouragement to you is this may be the easiest and one of the most meaningful New Year's resolutions that you make. Just try it for a week. You may continue it. I'm going to use it. Um, but it's so good as agents of hope to bring hope into our own hearts. If you think back to Lead the Way, the series on Nehemiah, remember that in chapter 1, when Nehemiah was given that terrible uh, report about the state of Jerusalem, he immediately took that to God and turned that, that fear and despair into praise and thankfulness and action. As agents of hope, let the H remind you that we first bring hope into our own hearts by taking action. All right, as agents of hope, we can also take actions that bring hope to others. That's the O, others. Now, we're surrounded by people who are facing life without hope. They may be neighbors or family members or coworkers or strangers. And as Christ's agents, we're called to bring hope to those around us. In fact, one of the primary reasons that Scripture gives for our own suffering is to bring hope to others. In 2 Corinthians 1.4, it says, He comforted us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. I came across a sermon by a pastor named Dave Zugler, and he put it beautifully. He said, God comforts us so that we can comfort others. God grants us mercy so that we can be merciful to others. God stands wholeheartedly with us in our suffering so that we can stand wholeheartedly with others who are suffering. And God never leaves us alone in our suffering so that we won't leave others alone in theirs. As agents of hope, we can bring the hope of Christ into the lives of others. And there are so many ways that I could illustrate this point. But I really wanted to use this picture. Um, last Christmas, um, my family got a chance to spend a couple of weeks in Luoyang, China, at the appropriately named Maria's Big House of Hope. Now, I know you're sitting there saying, well, that picture's bleary. Actually, it's not. That's just what you look like after 20 hours in coach. 
Maria's Big House of Hope is a child care organization that is run by two organizations, New Hope in China and Show Hope, headquartered in Tennessee. And it was started by Stephen Curtis Chapman and Mary Beth Chapman. And I thought it was nice of them to put hope in the name of everything for the purpose of this message. When we were there, we got to observe this photo shoot. And I'm just going to go slow here because I want you to see some of these pictures. Um, I don't think you've ever seen a more beautiful nativity scene in your life. How peaceful and serene they look. Ah, these kids, they're just so wonderful. Um, the final pictures, some of my favorites coming up here. Isn't that sweet? As the pictures turned out so serene and so beautiful, these baby jo or Joseph kissing the baby. Um, but the actual photo shoot, which we got to watch, was, well, here's a short video of a bit of that photo shoot. I love Joseph just staring off into space, like, what? <laughs> I think the photo shoot took a little bit over an hour to get those few pictures that we got. There's Joseph staring off into space. I was laughing hysterically. Um, you know, but one of the things that made the joy all the brighter was the backdrop of apparent hopelessness. You may know that globally, there are more than 150 million orphans. About 600,000 children in China live in state-run orphanages, and most of them, about 90%, have some mild to significant physical or mental uh, disability. From a human point of view, there's really no reason to have hope for these kids. But look at the smiles on the adults in the midst of this chaos. They're having a blast trying to corral the kids in hope of getting one good shot. Those adults are agents of hope. They are bringing hope, the hope of Christ, into the darkest places. Two of the kids in these pictures are now with their forever families and are given a chance to grow and flourish in the knowledge of God. And two more are waiting families to come and get them in the coming year. With God, there are no hopeless situations. He deploys his agents, to, his agents of hope to a waiting world. Now, some of you know my dear friends Lee and Kelly Stewart. Lee was uh, an elder here when they lived in St. Louis, and Kelly uh, sang with uh, up front for a long time. Uh, they adopted their son about a year ago, and Kelly's an author who always finds the best way to say things. And she regularly describes their adoption journey on her social media platforms, um, and in every one she includes this hashtag, hope is slow. I want to read you one of her posts from earlier this year 
Uh, she gave me permission to share it with you. It's called Portrait of a Weary Mom. This is Kelly. Let me tell you a story about adoption. It's the hardest, most exhausting experience I, as a parent, have walked through. The layers of fatigue are multifaceted and complex, but the truest truth of the matter is this. Some seasons, we are just trying to survive. Adoption is two steps forward and one step back, but sometimes the one step back can feel like a shove back to the starting line. It isn't. But days on end of physical and emotional exhaustion can leave a girl certain that things will never get better. Last night, as I rocked my guy in the darkest hours of the middle of the night, my arms shaking with fatigue and my back burning because he only falls asleep when I stand up and rock him, I began to think, and sleep-deprived thoughts go to some strange places, my friends. Here are some of her thoughts. Will I be tired for the rest of my life until I finally meet Jesus? Can a 2 a.m. rocking session count as my daily workout? Does Jennifer Aniston ever feel like she needs to apologize to the women of the 90s for the Rachel? Because that hairstyle was a hot mess. I'm glad I'm not in charge of any national secrets because I would trade all of them for an uninterrupted 10 hours of sleep. Can a person actually die from a lack of sleep? And on and on, my thoughts rolled as I rocked and swayed until finally, the child in my arms gave up the fight and fell asleep. And as I tiptoed out of his room and stumbled back to my bed, where a certain four-year-old had taken up residence because the two youngest are conspiring to send me to an early grave, I heard an almost audible whisper. This is a privilege. And it is. I know that it is, even if it doesn't feel like it. So here's to sleepless nights that remind us of just how weak we truly are. Here's to strong coffee and even stronger Instagram filters. Here's to a God who whispers truest truth into weary hearts. Here's to sleep-deprived moms not being trusted with national secrets. And here's to all of you walking hard paths. It is a privilege, an exhausting, overwhelming privilege. Hashtag truth, hashtag adoption, hashtag send coffee, hashtag hope is slow. Lee and Kelly are agents of hope. As agents of hope, we're, carried to, to, we're called to carry hope into the lives of others. And different agents have different assignments. You may be called to carry hope to a neighbor or a coworker or a family member. Let me just say, if you're called to carry hope to a child who needs a family, please take the next step. Talk with me or Pam. We'll be happy to pray with you and walk with you on that journey. We are agents of hope who carry hope to our own hearts and to the lives of others. And we're agents of hope who are called to carry hope into the public square. <laughs> Here we go. The public square 
is the realm of ideas and worldviews. It's the educational system, it's the selection of all of the different philosophies, and it is politics. And I want to make a bold prediction about 2020. We will see political division in America. <laughs> I think it'll even be greater than 2019. Um, we get to start January with an impeachment. I mean, it's just, this, this is amazing. I predict that at least some of these faces can trigger concern or challenge the hope that you have. It's going to be a wild ride. And for the record, I didn't make this slide, so please don't assume that anything that I'm saying by the position or the colors or the order of the candidates, I just simply took it off a website. Um, former, Nixit, Nick, former Nixon hatchet man and an amazing agent of hope, Chuck Colson. Um, yes, we have an agent Colson. Had a lot to say about living as Christ's agents in a world of politics. He's shown here in a prison setting, which is appropriate because he founded and led prison fellowship and he preached in hundreds of prisons every year. One of my greatest learning experiences was studying with Chuck in the first cohort of the Centurion program. It's now called the Colson Fellows Program and it was an amazing year spent diving into what it means to be a Christian in the public square. Back in 1994, some of Colson's clearest words on the topic were used as an intro to a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman called Heaven in the Real World. How many of you know that song? Yeah. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of it in just a minute. It's the first part that's actually got Chuck Colson um, talking about hope. And when I told my daughter, Lauren, what I was going to talk about today, she said, are you using the first part of Heaven in the Real World? And I'd already decided to do that. It was so cool. Um, there's a little bit of like some weird news clips right before Colson speaks, but listen carefully to the words that Chuck Colson has about living with hope. Here's that intro. A report out today says that the number of gang members have increased 65% in the past year. Residents once again today in Northern Ireland with the other news, the drug enforcement agency seized 20 kilos of pure cocaine. Where is the hope? Where is the hope? I meet millions who tell me that they feel demoralized by the decay around us. Where is the hope? Where is the hope? The hope that each of us has is not in who governs us or what laws are passed or, or what great things we do as a nation. Our hope is in the power of God working through the hearts of people. And that's where our hope is in this country. That's where our hope is in life. How many of you want to just let the song play? I love that song. You can go back and listen to it this afternoon. Don't miss what he said. Our hope is in the power of God working through the hearts of people. That's what we're talking about. The power of God working through the hearts of people. In the last book that he wrote, called The Sky Is Not Falling, Chuck Colson gave instructions to Christians in the political realm. And I think that even though this was 2011, that these are really appropriate for 2020. Is that what we're gonna call it? 2020, I guess. Okay. This is what Colson says. He says, what's the solution? First, 
Red Christians must reach out to blue Christians and vice versa. Ideology must not divide believers. Second, Christians are not seeking political power, so we're not out to destroy perceived political enemies. Nor do we line up for the victor's spoils as if we were just one more special interest group. Instead, we need to graciously contend and demonstrate that Christian truth is good for the right ordering of our lives, individually and collectively, and manifest our commitment to the common good. By doing these things, Christians do best, creating strong families, restoring relationships, helping the poor, working for human rights. Christians are in the unique position to bring common grace to a deeply divided nation and offer something more than brief periods of peace between outbreaks of mortal combat every election cycle. In rejecting ideology and putting the common good first, we offer hope to America's warring factions. In a podcast earlier this year, pastor and professor Ed Stetzer had a similar take on our current cultural moment. He said, the sky is not falling, but the ground is shifting. The question is, in the midst of a shifting ground, will Christians step up and show and share the love of Jesus in a broken and hurting world? You know and I know that in the coming year, we'll have an opportunity to either participate in the division and the divisiveness, or we'll have an opportunity to be agents of hope and carry Christ's hope into a needing world. I saw this week online that somebody reminded me that as agents of hope, we have more in common with a Chinese believer who's a member of the Communist Party than we do with somebody who is in our own political party who doesn't know Christ. Let's keep priorities and our allegiances in proper order. Okay. In preparing for this message, I promised Adam that I was going to talk about politics in a way that everybody could agree with. And so this section of the sermon is really short. <laughs> so let's move on to the E. Finally, agents of hope are called to bring hope in the context of eternity. Most of you know that one of my favorite agents of hope is C.S. Lewis. Like the other agents we've talked about this morning, Lewis lived out his faith and brought the hope of Christ to everyone who read his works or heard his lectures. He was a hero in the public square, particularly in academia. But his focus was on something much grander. In Mere Christianity, he wrote, hope means a continual looking forward to the eternal world. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. But it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have been, become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Paul says it simply in Philippians 1.21. You know this verse. For me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Our hope 
is eternal. This life is preparing us for an unending life with God that's going to be so much better. So, hearts, others, the public square, eternity. Are you an agent of hope? Peter challenges Christians, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, there's an old hymn that I think will serve well as our closing song and an anthem for Agents of Hope. It was written by a guy named Edward Mote, and he wrote it back in 19... Nope. He wrote it back in 1834, and his original title was The Immutable Basis for a Sinner's Hope. Is that, are you familiar with The Immutable Basis for a Sinner's Hope? Today we call it solid rock. And the first lines are, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's the foundation for agents of hope. As we step into 2020, I pray that our hope will be built on that solid rock. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the hope that we have in you. I thank you that you died and rose again to bring us into your family and, and to pay the price. And that you call us to be agents of hope. To live with the hope that you provide in our hearts. To minister your hope to others who are in need. To bring hope into the public square that often seems so hopeless. And to do all of that in the light and the context of eternity. We give you praise. We thank you for your love. In your name, amen.